Welcome to the Company of Dads podcast, where we explore the sweet, silly, strange, and sublime aspects of being a lead dad in a world where men who are the go-to parent aren't always accepted at work, among their friends, or in the community for what they're doing. I'm your host, Paul Sullivan. Our podcast is just one of the many things we produce each week at the Company of Dads. We have various features, including the Lead Dad of the Week. We have our community, both online and in person. We even have a new resource library for all fathers. The one-stop shop to keep up to date on all of this is our newsletter, The Dad. So sign up today at thecompanyofdads.com backslash the dad. That's thecompanyofdads.com backslash the dad. Today, my guest is Rocco Carrero, a financial advisor and author of The Three Chords Approach to Life and Wealth Management for Business Owners. The chords are work, family, and self. And we're going to unpack those today as they relate to men who are lead dads. How do you give your all to your business, to your family, to yourself? Is it even possible? What are the trade-offs? How hard is it? Lots of questions to answer today. Rocco, welcome to the Company of Dads podcast. Paul, thank you so much for having me. What gave you the idea for the book? You know, I've been working with um, hard-charging people for about 25 years, um, and I thought about writing the book really as a kind of like a resource guide for people in business um, that that could really help them discover true wealth, right? True wealth certainly isn't uh, just the money. I mean, a lot of times people think that's the case, but true wealth is, uh, this is through working with lots of people over all the years. I've probably done 16,000 meetings. True wealth is really when somebody has a great family life, um, has a, as a successful business, and they are also in tune with themselves and are healthy and well, um, mentally, physically, uh, on their own. Yep. And, you know, when you think about, you said, you know, 16,000 meetings, you know, a lot of people you work with, um, you know, for good or bad, uh, often our, our best ideas come from, uh, somebody who's either done it so wrong, uh, that we want to make sure we don't do it that way or, or somebody who's done it so right that we, we stand in awe of, of that person. Um, tell me some of the stories along either of those lines that, that help you formulate, um, the, the three chords and, and really, you know, guide us through, through some of your findings in, in the book. Yeah, absolutely. Love to do that. Um, so basically so here were some of the findings, um, you know, you, you'd work with people that, you know, we work with all kinds of people. We typically like to work with people that are family people, people that, um, uh, married kids, um, and, um, care about their family, care about helping others. And, um, and I've got to see different people, which, which throughout, throughout life, um, may have made some major mistakes, um, major mistakes within their marriage, major mistakes with their relationships with their children, uh, major mistakes within their business, and also major mistakes with not taking care of themselves, excessively drinking, using drugs, uh, you know, not not in tune with themselves physically or mentally. And, and, uh, we all know, we all know people like that in our lives who suffer in those different areas. And the people that really pay attention to three areas, not just one or two, but all three are the ones that really do achieve true wealth over the long, over, over the long term. And so that's, you know, that's really what this is, this is all about is, is it's about the three chords and, and uh, we wrote the book to try to help as many people as we possibly can understand that. 
Okay, but yeah, don't do drugs. Don't get fallen down drunk. Don't cheat on your wife. Don't don't be a, a, a crappy dad. But like, think about like actionable steps when people are going to read this and what they're going to take away. When you think about, you know, guidance that you've given people. I mean, I don't think, you, you know, most people they they they're, they're called mistakes for a, a reason. They they didn't intend to ne- neglect their 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 health. They 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 made some other mistakes. How do you, you know, in this book, in, in your practice, how do you help people um, not make the same mistakes that that other clients, you you know, have made or other people in general have known to make? Do, do you give certain tips of like, okay, you know, unpack it, family, business, self, you know, certain key tips? We do. Yeah. That is, that's part of, that's part yeah. of our uh, proprietary process. So what we do is when we meet with, when we meet with the clients that we serve, we kind of lay out uh, what's important to them from a family perspective. So, you know, a lot of times people, when you talk about money and family, you talk about wealth transfer. And, um, and sometimes it, it all, it becomes when the people are just focused on wealth transfer, what we try to do is we try to help them with understanding what is it they, that they can do now because the kids aren't just going to remember they're not. They're not going to remember the how much money they actually got. They're going to remember the experience that they had with their parents. So we encourage people to uh, not just wait until you know to to transfer their wealth to their uh, to their heirs, but to 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 do things with them to create experiences, and that ties in with um, with an important piece. Um, and that's really on the on the on the family side. So as we're doing planning, we're saying, okay, yeah. look, let's talk about your family. Let's kind of lay this out. What is it that you'd like to do now? What short term, long term, intermediate term? And we get it all on paper, and it's amazing. We've seen people uh, go out go out west and rent ranches and do great trips like that because the family liked to watch. Uh, I forgot the show that was on Netflix, the uh, about the ranch and oh, and Yellowstone? so yeah, yeah, Yellowstone. And yeah. so this was a. Uh, great family, and they all watched the show together. And it, yeah. it was somebody was celebrating his 60th birthday. I'm like, well, why don't you take the whole family out there? They're like, oh, that's you know, that's 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 really expensive. I'm like, well, you can afford it. Why don't you do it? And so they're, they're doing it this month. I can't wait to see the pictures. Or people taking family trips to Europe, or uh, going back to their ancestors and uh, seeing their where their ancestors came from in Scotland. So. We encourage people to do that. That is part of the planning process. It's not just about rate of return and making more money. It's about you know what's real return on on capital. Real return on capital in uh, is 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 what what you could actually do with it, right? It's besides just multiplying the money, it's the things that you can do with uh, the people that are around you and the people that you care about. Yeah. Do you ever get pushback? Because it's it, it's easy to say, okay, I've got a uh, dollar, and how am I going to divide up that dollar versus you know th- th- that's s- simple math and that that type of. But if you're like, okay, how can I use that dollar in the most effective way to spend time with my family? That's that's a higher level of of thinking of of planning. Um, is it is it hard to get people over that hump and 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 get them to, you know, spend that money on the experience as opposed it, to just believe, yeah. believe it or not, you know, uh, people that are se- a lot of self self made millionaires don't believe they don't ever look at themselves as being wealthy or being able to do such things they just don't and so we try to educate them and say listen even if you spend $50,000 on going out taking your family out on a you know going out to see your uh, the you know ranch out west or going to florida taking the family to disney you're not going to run out of money and so a lot of wealth creators are always nervous about that so we do have to educate them you would think that 
that somebody that would see that had financial resources just would automatically do that. But some do, but the most don't. And they don't they and they don't do that because they don't believe that they actually can. And so we we uh we we encourage people to do it. We show that they can do it and we, we show that there would be very little impact to their overall finances by by making that type of investment in their family. Yeah, you know, you you mentioned something there, which is a, a, a stat that I I know well from my my former life at the New York Times, and that's you know most millionaires, most wealthy people in America are are self made. They had an idea, they they built a business, it worked. But you know, in that we we talk a lot at the company of dads on you know what does it mean to be a father? What does it what does masculinity mean today? And and in many cases, masculinity and and money and the ability to earn. Are linked, and if you own your own business, uh, or or if you have a, a, a high-paying job where you're, you know, incentivized by the the hours that you you put in, there is a direct correlation between you know how much you work and and often how much you you earn. But that, of course, has an impact on the the family component. In and without proper communication, the 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 dad may think that he is a a, a great provider, uh, earning all kinds of money, but at the same time, he's neglecting, you know, that that family part, and and a little bit less in the bank would would make his family happier. What type of conversations do you have with the three chords approach around an issue like that? Yeah, we um again we work with we work with all kinds of families, right? We work with uh with dads that uh you know families that uh, that the mom is the primary yeah. income provider into the household, and uh, but we you know. Most of the families that we work with, it's a team, right? Uh, mom has her, her responsibilities. Dad has their responsibilities within the household. Uh, the combination of both people uh, works best when two people are working together on it, not just one. And um, it's a work in progress. And how how the finances are treated are, you know, in our planning process. Nobody feels we make sure that nobody feels that well. I may not be working um, outside the home, but I'm doing the work inside the home, and you know everybody's opinion is is valued, and we, we and every you know we take everybody's opinions and we put them on paper, and we work together at achieving everybody's goal. We don't just want one person coming into the office; we want both people coming to the office. We want to hear from both people, and it's it, that's the only way to really do it. Um, you know, sometimes I think the perception is okay. Well, if the primary income earner should be doing the financial planning. And that's not, you know, that's not the case. You know, financial yeah. planning is more than just the numbers. You know, whether the primary earner is is mom or, or dad, we obviously at the company that we talk about a lot about, you know, lead dads being in more of a, a support role to to, to working moms and, and lead dads having more flexible job and, and maybe the, the working mom is a higher earner. But regardless, um, how do you, the, the question I want you to answer is how do you get people to say, okay, there is incremental income that can be earned from me putting in X number of additional hours, but there's a detriment to that to my my family. Do I want my family at the end of it all to remember, you know, all the hours that I worked and on every place I traveled, or do I want them to remember, as you said, you know, the trip out west to 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 the ranch or the great trip to to Disney World? How does that conversation come in when when you are you know a, a business owner or you are the, the the primary earner and and you feel that that pressure to to to, to keep earning? You know that that's a great question, and I've asked lots of people this question. And you know, I think the key is to know how much is enough. And uh, there are people out there that don't know how much is enough. And if if somebody keeps making more money, then they actually 
you know, actually need and they're neglecting their, their personal time and their family time, they usually regret it. Um, and I've had this conversation with lots of people, people that uh, worked for an extra five or 10 years and then they sold their company and they said, you know, I think pretty much 100% of the people have said that, um, that once you got everything you need, any additional time in working is kind of like a waste of time. And they, there was a study, I think they did, they, they, there was this woman who was a hospice care nurse and she yeah. interviewed countless people that were on their deathbed. Yep. And they said, what were your regrets? And, um, and their regrets were usually didn't tell uh, certain people that they loved them enough, that they worked too much at the office. And, um, and the third one was, I believe it was, um, and they didn't like, you know, take enough risk in life and do the things that they really wanted to do. And so I think, I think uh, families can make that mistake by not understanding how much is enough and what they really actually need. Because after a certain point, any additional dollars on top of a certain dollar amount really becomes, it really, add, it doesn't add any more leverage to the overall picture. It, re yeah. it really doesn't. And I've seen that, you know, that's what we try to encourage people to do philanthropic things. And it's hard, you know, it's really, uh, it's, it's money's a funny thing. It's a funny thing. And, and I, I know the book you're talking about and, you know, at, at no point when that hospice nurse was talking to people in the last days of their lives, did anybody say, I just wish I had seen one more PowerPoint presentation. No, nobody ever says something like that, but let's say you get the balance correct between, you know, you, the amount you're working, the amount of time you're spending with your family and you're happy. It's, you know, the, the, something always feels like it has to give and that, you know, self-care is, is one of them. You know, when we're in our twenties, we can, you know, get away with, you know, exercising now and again. But if we keep that up in our, you know, forties, fifties, sixties, it ultimately, you know, catches up to us and, you know, impacts the quality of time we'll have with our family. How do you, you get people in the, with the three chords approach? How do you get people to find time or make time in their lives for that, that self-care? It all comes down to doesn't it's not going to sound too exciting, but model calendaring and um, and presetting things in advance. Um, you know, people people have a lot to do today, and the only way to get the things done that they need to get done is through a calendaring system. And so, whether it's a weekly model calendar, whether it's a quarterly calendar, annual calendar, so let's just say that you know, taking care of themselves and going to check in with doctors' appointments and making sure that they get to the gym and do the things that they probably should be doing needs to go needs to go on the calendar. As you talk to most people, if something's on their calendar, there's usually a very high percentage chance that they're actually going to do it. And so, but if it's not on their calendar, there's a low chance that they're actually going to do it. And so, self things that are for ourselves, most people. Uh, will tend to will tend to like kind of not focus on it as much. Most people that we talk with, you know, if it's, if it, if they have a family engagement that they, they need to be to, you know go to, they're going to be there. But doing things for themselves usually is at the bottom of the list, and that that usually is self care. That that's what most most people that that's what we've seen. So the only way to do it is to preset it on the calendar and have a calendaring system that allows you to you know protect your protect yourself from yourself with it. Yeah, I, when I was growing up, it made me think I had this wonderful next door neighbor, really nice man, uh, and he's a chain smoker, and he had a heart attack, massive heart attack, didn't stop smoking, uh, had a second heart attack, uh, massive heart attack, 
uh, didn't stop smoking. And then he had a third heart attack and he stopped smoking because he he died. Um, you know, so many people uh, have to have that scary moment, either themselves or a close friend or relative to really realize that they're not 20 anymore, that they're 50, 60, 70, and they need to care more. Do you have any advice uh, in the three chords approach to get people to think more about the importance of of self-care self care, um, before it gets to that that critical critical point? Yeah, we talk about that in the book, and you want to kind of align yourself with really outstanding medical professionals before you need it. I see a cardiologist. I don't have any heart issues. I'd like to try to keep it that way. Uh, and, you know, I try to I try to make sure I'm doing new things that I need to be doing prior to actually needing it. So if you're seeing a cardiologist before you actually have a heart issue, you're not that this that this is the perfect solution here. But the odds of you having heart disease would probably be significantly less. Most people see a cardiologist after there's trouble. Um, and it's the same thing with, you know, try to align with a really good healthcare professional, general practitioner that you really like. Um, you know, make yourself, you know, make yourself, make yourself, um, make yourself, put yourself in front of the people, make sure that they know you. You know, a lot of times we look at doctors and medical professionals being intimidating individuals, um, but Make sure they know you. Make sure that they know your 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 vitals. Um, there's a really cool tool out there called Inside Tracker, company out of Massachusetts, where they they test your blood and um, gives you like an inner age score. Hmm. Um, you know, so I'm going to be 50 in October, and um, first time I did it, it said my inner age was 52. I almost fell off the chair. I was like, what the heck? And so I follow. I followed what it said. I made sure to eat better, exercise better. And four months later, it said my inner age score was forty six. And this is when I was I was forty eight first time I did it. So now I just yeah. did it again. It says I'm forty six. My goal is to try to get it to thirty eight and do the things that are required. So you know, it's time, it's money, but it's an investment in um, in my in myself. And I would encourage everybody to align with the right medical professionals. Uh, know your know your numbers. Yeah. Plus, something like that, you know, keeps you from lying to yourself. You, oh yeah. You, you know, you can't say, "Oh yeah, I feel great. Look at me." And 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 then it tells you, it tells you, you know. And and fortunately, you did it early enough to 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 catch it. That's uh that that you know it's really important. Yeah. You know, I want to ask you, my family. Like, you know, I got to be here. That's my goal. Right. You know, you you're based in you know. Southampton, New York, uh, one of the nicest summer retreats I know. I've been there many times. It's, it's beautiful. It's, it's, you know, for people listening around the country, it's, it's the epicenter of, of, of the Hamptons. Um, you know, there's incredible wealth there, but there's, you know, and also a whole, you know, service sector, a whole working class out there. And it's, a, I wouldn't say it's a melting pot exactly or mixing pot, but it's, it's definitely showing different ranges. How has that, you know, informed, what you have done, not just as a financial advisor, but but as a father to your your two kids, how is you know that, that beautiful area that has people of all different wealth levels, sort of you know, informed the way that you you parent your your two children? Yeah, that's a it's a great question because you know here in the Hamptons you see you know you, kids meet meet families that have you know big Gulfstream jets. And uh, they also meet families that have really successful uh, companies like school cleaning businesses, construction companies, plumbing companies. So we get to see we get to see the spectrum of of all different types of uh, all different types of people. And um, 
And so how it's impacted my, my kids, you know, we, I, my, my parents immigrated from Italy. My dad was a tailor. So we love uh, people that create things. And, um, and so, you know, in fact, you know, some of the, some of the favorite, some of my most favorite, favorite clients that we're working with are wealth creators that operate trade related businesses. And, um, and some of my, my kids, uh, they're, they're the parents of, of, uh, of their friends are in those, you know, they're this spectrum of the families that have the big Goldstream jets, but also the, uh, the companies that, uh, that are cutting the grass for all the biggest states here. So, you know, the Hamptons is a great place and, um, it's not just all rich people. I know a lot of times the perception is everybody here is really, really wealthy, but you have a lot of, you have a lot of different, a lot of different people here with all different backgrounds. And, um, you do have a large community that does service the, the, the homes of, of the wealthy, um, as well, but it's, uh, it's a great place to be. You know, one of my earliest, uh, parenting lessons was when my, you know, 14 year old who is now 14, who is then three came home from her friend's house, played at a friend's house and, and a friend's house was bigger than, than our house. And the first thing she said was, Oh my God, daddy, why is their house? so much bigger than ours. And of course, there is this moment where as an adult, you think of all of these other things, like why is my kid already obsessed about money? Why is my kid <sighs> thinking this? How do I answer this without saying this and this? And then when you step back, you realize, you know, kids are these comparative creatures. They, they, you know, she could have just as well gone onto somebody's house whose house was smaller than ours. And she would have come home and, and asked the same questions. Why is it small? And, and it really, it, it Fortunately, I paused and I was able to answer through about you know, the choices that people make, you know, what we do. When you think about your own children and, and the discussions that you have with them about money and their financial future and, you know, the world in which they're, they're growing up in, which is, you know, in Southampton, all, as you said, all, all types of different people doing all types of different jobs. What are some of the big lessons that you, you know, as a dad who also happens to be a financial advisor, but really you as a dad have imparted on your kids that you'd like to share with, with other dads out there? You know, I think it's, it's being grateful, uh, being grateful for what you have for sure. Uh, last, so I, my son was playing basketball day yesterday and he was gonna, he was kind of sore and, um, he was going to take a tub. And so he was in a, he was getting himself situated. He was, and he said, Oh, I was at so-and-so's house and they have this digital climate control thing that sets the water perfect in the tub. We don't have that. And I, and I said, we don't have that. I said, you should just be grateful that you have a tub here. I'm like, that's, that's what it's about. And he's like, no, I'm not complaining. And so you do get that. You do get that in the Hamptons where you just hit the number 82 degrees and bam, like instant, instant tub at that particular temperature. But, um, you know, I try to emphasize to the kids to be kind, to be respectful, to help others. Uh, we have, we have designated values in our family and there's five. And, um, and we've gone over this with our, what are, what are the kids. five? I want to hear this. What are the five designated values? Uh, first is family. Uh, mm -hmm. second is helping others. The third is respect. The fourth is generosity. And the fifth is personal growth. They have heard this there, you know, before I would drop them off at school, I'd say recite to me, what are the family values? And I can tell you by talking about what the family, so that's how we make decisions. We make decisions yeah. as a family based upon these five values. And so if you don't like a decision, you just think back to the values and all decisions are made based upon the five values. All right. So tell me, what are the five again? Tell me what they are again. Family. Yeah. Family, helping others, respect, generosity, and personal growth. 
So personal growth is that you got to produce in school. You got it. I want you to do well. I want you to do well at anything that you're doing. I want you to get better at it, right? So there's, per, there's a personal growth aspect that we talk about in our household. That, you know, that family, we have our immediate family, we have our extended family, and that that's really important that, you know, we want you to, we want you to stay close to them here in the United States and we have family in Italy. Respect. We're respectful of everybody. Uh, we're respectful of people in our home. We're respectful of people in our neighborhood. We're respectful of everybody at school a- around us. And you are to treat other people the same way that you would expect to be treated. So respect really important in our house. And then generosity. We like going above and be- above and beyond. So you know, somebody's given twenty five dollars at it for a birthday present. So we give, we'll give more, not because we're trying to show off or anything, but we just want to be generous. We, we want to be generous with our time. We want to be generous with what we have. And uh, we want to invite people over for dinner. We want to share. And, um, and, that's, and that's, the way, uh, that's the way we operate our household as well around generosity. And that's, that's, uh, that's how we roll. That's it, Rock. I'm an only child, so I'm inviting myself over to your only, house I'm a, for dinner. I'm an only child, too. I'm an only child, too. <laughs> I, I grew up with 21 first cousins, but... Uh, I, I, uh, I, you know, I, uh, I was only child and I, you know, so sometimes you think, okay, only children might be, I think we overcorrect. I think o- only, only children who are self-aware overcorrect is like, I don't want to be the only child. I don't want to be the, you know, the, the stereotype. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's, uh, that, that is true. But, but those are, those are the five rules in our house. And I said, the only time you're going to see me get upset is if, if we're, if we're going against our values and, uh, and they, they know, they know, where, they know where we stand. Uh, between myself and my wife and on how we're running the show there. Rocco, this has been great. Uh, thank you very much for being my guest on the Company of Dads podcast today. Before we go, just tell the listeners, uh, how do they find you and how do they uh, get a copy of the Three Chords Approach? All right. So basically, they can go to uh, our website, which is RoccoACarrero.com. That's R-O-C-C-O-A-C-A-R-R-I-E-R-O.com. And uh, they can read more about us and as well as get a copy of the book. Uh, that's, on, that's on the website too. Perfect. Thank you again, Rocco. I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Thanks, Paul. Thank you for listening to the Company of Dads podcast. I also want to thank the people who make this podcast and everything else that we do with the Company of Dads possible. Helder Mira, who is our audio producer. Lindsay Decker, who handles all of our social media. Terry Brennan, who's helping us with the newsletter and audience acquisition. Emily Servin, who is our web maestro, and of course, Evan Roosevelt, who is working side by side with me in many of the things that we do here at the Company of Dads. It's a great team, um, and we're, we're just trying to bring you the best in fatherhood. Remember, the one-stop shop for everything is our newsletter, The Dad. Sign up at thecompanyofdads.com backslash the dad. Thank you again for listening.